We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Ace is a place with the helpful hardware, folks. At Ace, your backyard's right in our backyard, which means we have hand-picked products that are right for the birds in your neighborhood, like premium bird seed, suet, birdhouses, and feeders. Stop by your local Ace and get everything you need to attract the birds you want, including Ace Wild Bird Food, on sale now. Now through Tuesday only, when you buy two 20-pound bags of wild bird food, get a third bag free, only at Ace, the helpful place. Offer valid through February 28th at participating stores. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code ROTOHOOPS when you deposit for a free contest entry today. That day is March 2nd, of course, 2016. I'm DJ Trainer. So glad to be joined by Renny, Benny Ricciardi today on this Wednesday. Josh Hayes is a little too good for me these days, so he's busy doing other things. Benny, you know what? This officially, I mean, this is a, a pretty big day for me because this marks the day that I've co-hosted a podcast with everybody on the RotoWire NBA slate. Yeah, this is um, this is a first for you and I together, um, which is surprising considering that 
we both do about a half dozen of these a week. So I'm surprised we haven't crossed paths before. Yeah, most definitely. Well, happy to do this. We'll see. Maybe we'll maybe we'll form some chemistry and you'll ditch Josh and me and you will go on in tandem forever. <laughs> uh, maybe this could be the worst pod Rotowire has ever produced. I guess we'll find out. Um, so join us uh, on this uh, on this uh, Ro- Rotowire Wednesday fantasy basketball podcast. Of course, this podcast is available on iTunes and Stitcher. Feel free to leave a nice review on one of those venues. You know we'd love to have it. You can also find it on the Rotowire website directly itself. You can download and listen to it there of course we have lots of other podcasts benny and josh so you guys do the dfs podcast cranking those out pretty much every day you guys do a great job there also if you're interested in, in baseball i know the prospect pod is heating up with james and clay link and or james anderson and clay link they're not brothers and then of course we have the mlb pod which is going strong with dvr and lots of other great guests uh but anyway let's get down to it benny uh, last night we had a lot of good games on the slate. Uh, of course, what we do on this Wednesday, regardless of who's hosting, we just go through the box scores, talk about what matters, what doesn't matter in terms of DFS and season long, and then we'll finish up with some breaking news. Let's kick it off, Benny, with uh, a snoozer in my opinion. We really won't spend too much time on it. Charlotte Hornets beat the Phoenix Suns, the lowly Phoenix Suns, 126 to 92. If you're playing DFS last night, Kemba Walker was a great play. He scores 26 <laughs> points, 6 rebounds, 9 assists. Uh, did you happen to use anybody from the Hornets or the Suns, really, last night in your DFS considerations, Benny? Yeah, I did. I, um, I had a lot of Kemba Walker, uh, almost 100% exposure on him. Um, so that was really good. And he only played three quarters, too. He didn't even really play in the fourth quarter because they were up so much. Um, we also talked about Nick Batum, who had been struggling. Uh, his price had come down, but he actually played pretty well as well for Charlotte. And the same situation. I mean, both of these guys only played about 30 minutes last night because they were blowing Phoenix out so bad going into the fourth quarter. Um, and they both produced pretty well for you. I think season-long-wise, the guy who kind of inter- you know interests me the most from this game is the fact that Al Jefferson is you know still not getting big minutes but he's a big part of the offense when he's in there. He played 19 minutes in this game, took 15 shots in those 19 minutes. So he's a guy that some people probably dropped because he was out for a while. Um, you know, I think he might be somebody that we have to start looking at. If he's, if he's available on your waiver wire in probably even 10 and 12-man uh, leagues, I think I, I, I'd be ready to pull the trigger and pick him up for you know, the stretch run if he gets some more uh, some more time going down the end as they try to fight for playoff position. Yeah, I would say if you picked him up off the waiver wire, you'd probably be one of the, you know, one of the quicker people to do that. But that's what you have to do if you want a good player. 19, 19.7 rebounds last night. He did see only 19 minutes off, off the bench. But you know what? If he's producing, he's producing. The one thing I'm a little hesitant about picking Jefferson up um, – you know, and it's not a bad move because if you need rebounds and points, he's going to be probably one of your better options here when we only have 21 to 24 games left, depending on what team you're looking at. Um, is that he doesn't really help out a, a ton of, with steals and blocks? I know he does. He's not he's not bad whatsoever, but um, I don't know that with that power forward spot, I'm trying to get a little more action out of my blocks and steals, and it's hard to do that with somebody who's only seeing uh, you know 19 minutes on the court. But certainly a good option to take a look at. Um, like we've noted, what about this Phoenix Sun team? I'm not really using anybody for DFS purposes from the Suns. 
maybe I mean I saw some Toledovich uh, a lot of winning lineups had Toledovich but that was just because of his price uh, more so than anything I've been trying to use Booker but I think as a rookie he's still not quite at that point where he's going to go out there and give you 30 points a night um, because you know he's still learning his way around and more importantly he's a spot-up shooter who really needs good point guards and really good players around him to make him the best he can possibly be so I don't see um, him really coming on terribly strong at the end of the season. But do you disagree with that, Benny? No, I think, you know, for DFS-wise and even for the rest of the season for season long, I think my favorite guy who, you know, I think is a little on their own is actually Alex Len. Um, they've been rolling out this two-big-man set where they put him and Tyson Chandler on the floor at the same time. And with them getting rid of Humphreys the other day and, you know, Toledovich really being the only other you know, kind of forward that they have, you know, John Lures down to playing like 12, 13 minutes a game. Um, you know, you're getting like 20 minutes a game out of, out of um, Toledovich, and then you're getting like 25, 26 minutes out of Chandler and about 30 minutes out of Len. So for me, Len is probably the best option of their big guys. Um, I do like Mirza because he can help you out with the three-pointers if you need that from a big guy. So for season-long purposes, he's, he's kind of like one of those fill-in guys I wouldn't mind having on my bench to throw them in there if uh you know I play in like some weekly head-to-head uh you know season-long league so if you're in one of those and you're down a couple three-pointers you know late in the week uh he's a guy that I've been rolling like in and out there a little bit but I think that the minutes have basically been going to this you know this two big man set with Len and Tyson Chandler in there so going forward for the rest of the season if I had to pick one guy off this roster it's probably going to be Alex Len. Fair enough. I tell you what, from just like an X's and O's standpoint, I think it's a really dumb decision to play those guys. Um, but, you know, we're talking about fantasy, and so we're not saying what we want to happen. We have to analyze what actually is happening. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's a, that's a great look there at Alex Len. Um, Earl Watson is just kind of like buried in Phoenix. They're arguably the worst team in the NBA. One thing I think that you do have to be considerate of when you're having, you know, teams that go up against Phoenix is why I was afraid to play Kemba Walker last night is this game was going to be a blowout. I didn't know much, how much he was going to play. And so obviously from a defensive matchup, you like pretty much anybody who's opposing Phoenix going forward. But at the same time, there's still going to be some reservations, at least from me, that uh, your top guys on the opposing teams might not see a full workload of minutes. That said, uh, they can probably fit in a pretty good night of production in limited minutes when we're talking about the Phoenix Suns. So, um, so good breakdown on that game. Let's keep it moving here. A little more contested of a game, um, but still somewhat of a blowout at the same time. Miami Heat take down the Chicago Bulls, 129-111. to 111. Uh, The Bulls... They move Rose back into the starting lineup last night, um, which means that Tony Snell also moves to the bench. I'll, actually, that might have been – that was commonplace for a couple games here. Oh, let me check. Oh, man, doing my research on the fly, Benny. It's never, good, <laughs> never a good look. Never a good look. Just want to confirm here. Um, nothing like dead air on a podcast. Right, so it was no. – uh, Derek Rose's first game back after three games. So Rose moved into the starting lineup. Etwan Moore shifts down to shooting guard, and that pushed Tony Snell to the bench. Snell only saw 15 minutes, and so you got to think that he's not really going to be too much of a consideration moving forward. Uh, what about Taj Gibson? Is he somebody that you've picked up in season-long leagues? Obviously, the season-ending injury to Jakeem Noah should have done it quite a while ago, but were you fortunate enough to jump on that bandwagon? 
Um, I did get a little bit of them on, in a couple spots. Uh, a couple places people paid way more of their fab budget than I was willing to put in to, to take them. And he's been all right. I mean, he's been a solid option for you. He actually left this game early with, uh, with a hamstring injury, though. So I think the interesting guy we got to talk about here is going to be, you know, if Taj Gibson's out, are, are you going to be willing to roll Bobby Portis? He got 26 minutes in this game, so he played a little bit more time than he normally did. Um, only 11 points, which isn't a lot, but he is a guy that's a high rebound, you know, per minute average kind of guy. So he got seven rebounds in this game in 26 minutes. If Taj is out and we see... I mean, I don't think he sees over 30 to 32 minutes a game, but at 30 minutes a game, he's he's kind of a double double threat there. Would you, uh, you know, would you think that he's someone that we got to start taking a look at if Taj is going to miss a couple games here? Yeah, most definitely. I've had my eye on Bobby Portis all season long. I've just been waiting and hoping. Obviously, you don't want it to come with injuries. I was just kind of hoping that he would gradually be worked into the rotation naturally. But it looks like with Noah out and Gibson um, potentially out this Wednesday against the Magic that. Portis, DFS consideration, it's going to be there. Um, And so DraftKings, if you're playing with a double-double bonus, Portis is a double-double threat, even if he's only on the court for 20 minutes a game. This last game against Miami had 11 points, 7 rebounds, and 4 steals. That's a nice little kicker to throw in there as well. So pretty efficient player, considering he shot 5 of 8 from the field. Regarding Gibson, he said after Tuesday's loss against the Heat that he heard a pop in his right hamstring and his status is still remain or remains undetermined for Wednesday's game against the Magic. Like I said, so uh, I'll have, I'll definitely have some shares shares of Portis. I don't know that they'd move him into the starting lineup because I think Hoiberg is still very hesitant to give Portis too big of a load. Um, you know, there's been lots of talk all season long about how Portis is actually. One of the better rookies in this class, but he still has some problems uh, shifting on defense, uh, pick and roll defense, and stuff like that. So while while his production is there from an actual X's and O's standpoint, he still has a little work to be done. Let's shift over to the heat here, Benny. Uh, Joe Johnson moved into the starting lineup. This is his second game with the heat. Scores 24 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists. He's humming along just ni- nicely. It's somebody that was probably owned in leagues already, but if he's on your waiver wire, are you going to give him a look? Yeah, I mean, the thing that I like to see, you know, when somebody new comes into the fold, it usually takes them a while to, you know, get the rotation and everything worked out. But it seems like they're throwing him right in there. You know, 32 minutes he played in this game. So if you're going to get 30 minutes out of Joe Johnson, I don't think it really ticks him up or down from – you know, where you had him, if you had him when he was on the Nets. But if somebody had a quick trigger in one of your leagues when they saw that he got dropped, you know, he definitely deserves to be on a roster if he's going to be playing 30 minutes here. Yeah. Going to give you three pointers as well. So two or three from beyond the arc. Actually shot very well in this game. 10 of 13. You can't really assume that he's going to be shooting that well. Um, But I tell you what, a nice little rejuvenation for him at the Heat. I think what you have to be mindful more so of anything is, is he going to be healthy enough to play night in and night out? If you look at his game log here on Rotowire, I mean, it is a mess. It's an absolute mess of playing three games, taking off two. And so he's only played in 59 games this season. Um, He's on track, I would say, for mid-60s or rather upper 60s as we go along just because He's an old guy, old guy, old guy's got to sit out. Off the bench, though, Hassan Whiteside, 26 points, 14 rebounds, and assists, four blocks. I know that he, too, was in a lot of winning lineups last night. Did you have any exposure there? 
I actually didn't, and Josh and I talked about this on the on a DFS podcast yesterday. You know, the game before, with him coming off the bench, the way the rotation worked out the game before is Stoudemire played the first six minutes of the first quarter, and then Whiteside came in for the tail end. And then the second quarter, he started the first six minutes, and Stoudemire came in for the last end. So the game before last night, they had basically been splitting time almost. So I think we only got like 25 or 26 minutes out of Whiteside. So it kind of gave me a little bit of caution. But last night, it was nice to see where... You know, Stoudemire played like the first five or six minutes. Whiteside came in for his rotation and then played the entire second quarter, basically. And then did the same thing in the second half is, you know, started out on the bench, came in at like the five or six minute mark left in the second quarter, and then played the rest of the game all the way out. So if we're going to get, and my, my whole thing has always been, Hassan Whiteside has the talent to be a top three center in, uh, in, in fantasy basketball but he hasn't been getting the minutes in order to produce at the level that we need him to. If he's going to see 30 minutes like he saw here, you know, again, he saw 33 minutes here, put up 26 and 14. We love him because he gets a lot of blocks. He had four blocks here, and he's very efficient when he does it because basically all he does is dunk. So he had 11 shots in this game to put up his 26 points. So if you play in a deep league that, you know, has like a nine-category kind of league where they're taking, uh, you know, field goal percentages into that as well, um, you know, he he's a great play to have going forward. So if we're going to see 30 something minutes out of Hassan Whiteside, like we're going to see here, if this is going to be the norm and the 26 minutes he played last game is going to be the exception, you know, he's probably one of the top 10 centers in the league. I don't put him all the way up in the top five because I don't think those minutes are safe. I think there's going to be games where we only see 25, 26 minutes out of him. You know, there's talk that his defensive efficiency is so bad that you know, that's a reason why he's not. I mean, when Amari Stoudemire's defensive efficiency is better than yours, and that's why he's playing over you late in the game, you know, there, there's a problem with that, especially for a guy who rebounds as well and blocks shots like he does. So, you know, again, I, there, there's some things that give me a little bit of pause, but, you know, for DFS and even for season long, you know, this guy just has so much upside in, in categories that are tough to fill. You know, finding a guy that can get you like three blocks a game, you know, there aren't many of those. And, when he can add double-digit rebounds and, you know, now that he's scoring more, being asked to score more with Bosch out, you know, I definitely think he's going to be a nice play for the rest of the season. Yeah, no, I agree with pretty much everything you said there. I am going to throw just a little bit of fuel on the fire just because just because it's fun to do it. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of him being, I think that um, what can make him one of the best center options in the league, and I'm talking top three. Obviously, you know, you're fair to say top ten because minutes is the most important stat in fantasy. If you're not seeing time on the court, you don't have time to produce. So it's as simple as that. And uh, a team like the Washington Wizards who plays small ball, they, sometimes they play Jared Dudley at the five. Whiteside simply cannot be on the court when that happens. He's utterly useless um, for the defensive uh, PER, like you were saying, Benny. Um, but the one thing I like about Whiteside more so than I like about Drummond, if I'm talking about the next three years, if I'm in a dynasty format, um, obviously the uh, the blocks is a major thing. Like You're going to be in the top top echelon of your league if you have Hassan Whiteside because he's giving you four a game. But one thing I like from him at center, he is only shooting 60% from the free throw line, but he's only going there four times a game as opposed to a Drummond who's going there eight times a game. So yes, Whiteside is not going to be an advantage on free throw percentage, but he's not going to hurt you nearly as bad as an Andre Drummond or DeAndre Jordan who's going to the line eight times a game. So so that's one area that I do like it, but I, I think you gave a pretty pretty comprehensive 
breakdown um, there about Whiteside. He's he's somebody who's going to be a, you know, as long as you know, we always talk about it, but it's character issues with him. As long as he's he's all squared away, then he's going to be a great fantasy option for years to come. I guess we'll keep debating about you know how high that potential actually is. So we'll keep it moving here. Portland Trailblazers beat the New York Knicks 104-85. to You know, Benny, let's just talk about the basketball uh, before we dive into the box score. I've been so surprised with the Trailblazers this year. I thought they were going to be one of the worst teams in the league um, with Lillard essentially doing everything. McCollum has obviously stepped up and taken a major role. But you look at the other starting five here, Vonley, Aminu, and Plumlee, They combined for 10 points, and I don't know how this team just functions night in and night out. They're 33-28 and in the Western Conference, essentially only having two players that are worth their salt. Yeah, and you know what? It actually makes it really easy for us as far as fantasy goes because you know where all the production is going to come from. You know, it's Damian Lillard and it's C.J. McCollum. I mean, if you look at the box score for this game, you know, there's only one other guy who reached double digits, and that was Myers uh, Leonard, Myers Leonard, who had 11 points. Um, you know, a bunch of guys just basically rebound the shots that, that Lillard and uh, C.J. miss and give it back to him, and they keep shooting. And, <laughs> you know, that's basically what Portland's been doing. I mean, you look at the guys around them. The only fantasy stats you get from anybody other than those two on Portland you know, Myers Leonard had 14 rebounds, Plumley had seven, Ed Davis had nine, Gerald Henderson had five, Aminu had four. You know, you're not getting double-digit points out of most of these other guys. And, you know, it's always somebody different that'll, you know, be the third scorer for them. But the one thing you can count on with Portland every night is, you know, C.J. McCollum and, uh, and Dame Lillard are going to be the ones that are doing most of the damage. Yeah, and I just don't understand how that team dynamic works. I think I'm just going to give all the credit to Terry Stotts because – good on him for just essentially only having two players who jack up shots and they're winning games so good for them they take out the Knicks and of course when you only score 85 points in a game you're not going to have a lot of great fantasy output Carmelo Anthony did just fine though as he always does 23 points 10 rebounds four assists a steal a block now what we've seen from Carmelo the last couple of years and uh, far be it for me to judge somebody based on injuries and whatnot. But at the end of the seasons, you know, he kind of putters out. And so I'm a little afraid, you know, we're having this talk with Amari Stoudemire, all that junk off the court. Um, it's obvious that the Knicks aren't going to make the playoffs. Are you concerned if you have a vested interest in Carmelo Anthony that the last 20 games of the season won't represent what he's done so far this year already? Yeah, I mean, we've seen him shut it down often. You know, where he's just like, hey, you know, we're done. And, you know, he does play through injuries. So I want to give him a little bit of credit for doing that. You know, sometimes he stayed when he probably shouldn't have played. Although the reasoning, like playing in an all-star game, is probably not the, you know, (laughs) best motivating factor ever. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, Yeah, I mean, I just don't think that the Knicks really have much left to play for at this point. But... You know, what are they really going to do? I mean, are you trying to give Porzingis more minutes? I mean, I still think you're going to see Melo roll out there for, you know, 30, 35 minutes a game. And he's already proven that he has no conscience. So he's going to throw up his shots. He's going to get his. So fantasy-wise, I think you're still going to get production out of him. You might not get, you know, elite production. It's not like they're playing for something and he needs to put the team on his back. But, um, you know, he's still going to be out there chucking. He'll still grab some rebounds for you. Um, I think he's actually having one of his better years ever in assist as well. So, you know, I guess, I guess he's still a viable option. I mean, are there other guys I'd rather have? Probably. 
But, uh, you know, I still think that he's safe enough to hold on to if you got him. I mean, what you know, you're really going to be downgrading to somebody much worse than, you know, the production that he can give you at this point in the season if you're going off of him. So right. if you got him, you're pretty much stuck with him, I think. Yeah, most definitely. And I know that most most uh, uh, most fantasy leagues are probably past the point of their trade deadline. So you've made your bed with Carmelo Anthony. You have him or you don't have him. He's averaging three less points per game, but like you alluded to, he's got a 1.4 more rebounds this year and a full assist more than he ever has in the in the past. So, so a little a little less in the points, but he's given you more in other areas. Um, I'm just going to make a bold prediction here, Benny, and I think uh, Porzingis has talked about hitting a rookie wall. He's he's been very open about that, which is nice. I think it's it's nice to be candid. Because then you know it's all out front. You're not saying you're dogging it and and all that good stuff. So um, it's nice that he said that he is hitting a rookie wall. It's tough to play this many games. However, with only 20 games left on the schedule, I think he's going to see the light at the end of the tunnel and really give it a nice surge and a nice push and finish strong. And so I think I might be relying on him in DFS because he's still hovering around price points that are that are very very nice. Um, and very easy to fit in other top players or other middle-tier players into my lineup. Uh, do you think I'm off the rails with thinking that Porzingis will have a nice finish? Is that seeing the light at the tunnel, do you think that that's a, a real theory, or am I just blowing smoke here? Well, I mean, my my big thing with him is, you know, he's very inconsistent. So if I'm using him in DFS, you know, he has the upside. He's shown us he can have those games where he gets a double-double and picks up four or five blocks and a couple steals. And that stuff adds up to, you know, some big fantasy scores. And like you said, his price is still pretty low. So, you know, I think that he'll have a couple of those games. I think if you're using him in cash games or if you're using him every day, you're probably going to be disappointed more often than you're happy. But on the days that he does have big games, he can put up big, big games that can help you win a tournament in DFS. So, you know, I kind of like him more as a matchup dependent, you know, a high pace game kind of situation guy that I might be willing to take a shot on. Um, but I don't really trust him. Like I, I actually talked about it in season long. You know, I, I know Josh is a big fan of his, but I had mentioned when he was going well, you know, a couple months ago that you might not get a better time to deal him than when he was that high, when people were calling him, you know, poor Zing God. Um, you know, at that point, you were probably going to get as much value in a trade out of him as you possibly could have. And, you know, like most rookies, you feel like towards the end of the season, they're going to slow down a little. So I actually said at the time that, you know, I thought that's when you should have been looking to get rid of him. You know, like you said, most most things are past the trade deadline right now. So if you have him, I think you're still rolling him out there. But you have to realize that you're going to have some big games for the rest of the year. And I think you're also going to have some games where you're like, you know, God, I wish I would have listened to Benny two months ago and gotten rid of him at the height of it. So fair enough. We'll see. That's a good call. That's a good call, and I think that it could be a fair point for for a lot of rookies if they ever hit, um, you know, like a good five game stretch in their rookie season. People just start to balloon their potential, not only for the rest of their careers, but for the rest of the season. So I think you know it's it's not a bad philosophy that if you have a rookie doing good in a short amount of time, to maybe you know maybe maybe cut. Or get somebody who's proven that you know has been in the league a few years and you know what they're going to get in the second half of the season. So good mm-hmm. on you for doing that. So we just broke down the first three box scores from last night. We'll go ahead and head into the last three before going into some a few pieces of breaking news. Before we do that, me and Benny have been talking about it on this pod. We've been talking about it all season long here on the Rotowire podcast. And of course, that's our 
Uh, good sponsor, DraftKings, and you can be a part of the action all season long at DraftKings.com, the official daily fantasy basketball partner of Rotowire, of course, with daily fantasy. Um, you don't need to spend months micromanaging your roster. A lot of you out there listening to this might already be done. You know, just throw in the towel. Your team's no good. Put too much, in, too much interest in bad players. Come over to DraftKings and be a part of the rest of the action. We've got 21 to 24 games left for each team, so lots and lots of action to be played on DraftKings, the official partner of Rotowire. Use the promo code ROTOHOOPS or ROTOWIRE to play for free at DraftKings.com. All right, let's finish out the box scores here. Moving on to the Dallas Mavericks taking care of business over the Orlando Magic, 121-108. to Lots of high-scoring games last night. If I'm looking at this Magic team, there's a lot to like. You've got Aaron Gordon moving into the starting lineup. You have Victor Oladipo moving into the starting lineup. But unfortunately, this game was a wash right from the start. You have Dallas outscores Orlando 35-27. to in the first quarter and what that meant is the minutes distribution for pretty much every player um, on the Magic was skewed and so I don't know is this a game that you just kind of toss out the window for the Magic and you say don't put too much interest in it whatsoever yeah I mean you don't want to jump to conclusions when something like this happens because you're going to get more than 19 minutes out of Aaron Gordon most nights you're going to get more than 23 minutes out of Victor Oladipo on most nights you know and some of these other guys who played like you know Devin Marble played 22 minutes. C.J. Watson played almost 30 minutes in this game. Although Watson has been seeing a few more minutes, you know, I don't think this is really representative of what, you know, 30 minutes for Ursan, you know, who in some of the close games last week played 12 or 13 minutes. So I don't really think it's representative of, you know, the way their season's going. I mean, you like Oladipo, you like Aaron Gordon, you like Vucevic if you have those guys for fantasy. Um, you know, guys like, like, I guess, Elf Payton and, you know, is kind of on the fringe. One guy I want to talk about because I think he's another guy who's been a little bit too hyped up. And I, I don't really want him on my season-long teams because he just really hasn't even been doing much, even when given a chance the past couple days. You know, I like watching Mario Hazanja play, but I don't really want him on my fantasy team. Would you agree with that? Yeah, there's... A- he still has a lot of potential because we haven't seen his Onya play much this season. He's been on the bench playing behind Oladipo, playing behind um, you know Aaron Gordon, playing all, all behind all these small forwards that they've had. I you know, he's like still a bare minimum rookie for me. Like for for me, he's still in the first two months of the season, um, as opposed to somebody like Carl Anthony Towns or Jalil Okafor or Przingis, like we talked about, because mm-hmm. he's still learning his way. Evan Fournier was not expected to be this good this season, and what that's meant is Hazonia is only averaging 15 minutes a game uh, for 56. And so, um, my only reservation. Benny, uh, again, with rookies, is you have to be very careful with the latter portion of the season because um, Scott Skiles and the Orlando Magic are at a point where they know they're not going to make the playoffs. So what do they have to lose by putting Hazonia on the court for 30 minutes a game over the last 15 games of the season, you know? Might as well give him some reps. And so it's all about those minutes, baby. So if he's seeing 30 minutes on the game, I might have to give him a look begrudgingly, though. I will definitely say I will begrudgingly be giving Mario Hazonia a look. Yeah, I know. I would agree with you. Like I said, I know he has talent. I like watching him play. But until he's getting more consistent minutes, I mean, even... You know, this game he only played 15, but again, we're throwing this one out because it was a blowout. But the two games before that, without Fournier, when everybody was getting all giddy that he was in the starting lineup, 
you know, he still only played about 26 minutes and really didn't produce all that much with him. You know, he had a couple shots, grabbed a few rebounds. But, you know, I mean, in terms of like daily fantasy production, I think he only had about like 22 fantasy points on, you know, DraftKings or FanDuel. And, you know, even at minimum price, that's not enough to get it done. So, you know, for season long, if he gets up to 30 minutes, I think that's great. But I still don't think that he's a big enough piece of the offense. Like, you know, Aaron Gordon came in, got his 30 minutes, and has been a fantasy stud because he's given us double-digit points. He's given us, you know, eight, nine rebounds, adding in a few steals and blocks. You know, my my biggest problem with guys that play, like, a shooting guard role like, uh, you know, Hazania does is basically all that you really get out of shooting guards for the most part is points. So for fantasy, if he's only helping you in one category – you know, how much is he really helping you? Yeah, fair enough. Really good point there. And if I threw all the rookies into a pot and I said, you know, I can I can take whichever one I want now, Azonia might not even be on the top 10 list, even though he was drafted in the top 10, fifth overall. Um, Miles Turner, even Frank Kaminsky, um, those are guys who were taken after Azonia. Uh, Bobby Portis, somebody that we mentioned, has far more mm-hmm. fantasy value and potential right now at their points in the rookie season than Azonia does. Um, again, the last 15 games of the season just kind of get crazy. They just do because teams are out of it or they've already made the playoffs. And so fantasy gets uh, pretty interesting at that point of the year. So I'm not going to write them off completely, but I do agree with you that, um, you know, I'd rather have a, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of a comparable player here. Let me, let me give a good look. Um, like, well, obviously like a Jay Crowder, even an Evan Turner, I think I might even have a Mike Dunleavy or a Doug McDermott over I would have Hazonia. Yeah, I think I think the last two that you threw out there is probably the you know the decision that people in a deeper league would be having. Sure. And I would I would agree with you. I mean, I'd rather have one of the Bulls, either of the Bulls guys, actually, probably over him. Yeah, good 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 uh good uh on you to bring that out because I'm sure that's a question that people are facing all together. Uh, again, with this Mavericks box score, it's a little more typical, I guess. I guess they decided to give it a give it a go, even though they had the te- or the game in hand. Anything in particular that you wanted to talk about here, or should we move along? Yeah, I mean, there's not much. You know, Wes Matthews has been playing. You know, starting to play like the guy that they gave that big contract to after everybody else kind of said no to him in the off season. Um, you know, he's had a couple good games in a row here. I've been a big fan of Zaza as just an underrated option all season long. Um, you know, he's been putting up good rebounding numbers. He's been helping you there. You know, whenever Dirk sees minutes, he puts up numbers. That's okay. But, you know, Parsons has actually been playing pretty well. They didn't need him to do a ton in this game. So he, he had an okay game, but he had been playing really well a couple games coming in here. But, you know, it's all pretty much the same stuff for me. I'm not really messing around with some of these guys off the bench. You know, unless you're in a deep league, guys like Berea. You know, David Lee is actually an interesting case. Um, you know, with him just coming over after getting released by Boston, he's starting to see a few minutes, put up a double-double in his first game, had nine rebounds, so it was one rebound short of back-to-back double-doubles in his, uh, you know, in his next game after that. Didn't play a ton of minutes here. I think he actually got in foul trouble, had like four or five fouls in this game too. But would he be somebody that's on your radar going forward here? Or, you know, how deep, how deep a league would it have to be for you to put him on your radar? Great question, um, and thanks for bringing that up. I completely glazed over that. And, again, this is something that a lot of people out there are probably pondering with. He had five fouls, five fouls in 14 minutes. And I'm not sure if that says more about, um, you know, just him being bad, like 
get, always getting into foul trouble or if his type of play being a power forward who doesn't actually shoot threes um, just doesn't fit into the, today's NBA. And so you have a lot of players out there uh, like a David Lee um, who if you're going to look at metrics and advanced stats, it's far more useful to have a Kevin Love or a Serge Ibaka who can be in the corner and shoot that corner three. David Lee doesn't give that to you. So I, I, I said this on our SiriusXM show earlier on Tuesday. I think that the minutes that Lee has been seeing since he's joined Dallas is more of a show of good faith. Like, hey, we're happy to have you here. We want you to be in good spirits. But when it gets down to crunch time, I don't think Lee's going to be on the court. I, I just don't think he's going to be on the court. It doesn't make sense defensively because he is a black hole. I mean, he you're going to target him as much as you can. So... First four games, he's done well. And last night, obviously, he had some foul trouble. Maybe he would have played a little longer. I, I'm not jumping on the bandwagon. I think it's going to take a very deep league, like an 18-team league, maybe 16, before I would get on there, uh, before I would pick up Lee. That's only because I, I just i am not convinced. I think it's, you know, let's show this guy a good time. Let's give him some minutes, incorporate him into the team. But beyond that, I'll need to see – eight to ten games of this happening before I'm convinced it's going to be this way for the rest of the season. Yeah, I agree. I mean, until I see him consistently playing maybe 25 minutes, there's probably a dozen other guys on your waiver wire who are playing that many minutes or close to it that you'd probably rather take a chance on. And the thing is that what does he give you? He's been giving you points and rebounds, and points and rebounds are the two easiest things to find on the waiver wire, um, at least Mm -hmm. in, in my opinion. And so I know he's been getting some steals, but that's not necessarily his game. And so I, I, I think at this point in the year in my leagues, I'm trying to target three-pointers or blocks or steals or assists. And so I, I, it's a dime a dozen for me. There's, there's lots of other guys like Bismack Biombo off the bench is kind of similar um, if you're looking at that. And he's been on and off the waiver wire all year long. So who knows? I could be Eden Crow in a week. It's, it's certainly it's happened before. It'll happen again. Yeah, I think, though, you know, with David Lee, I mean, I think you'd be okay if you miss out on him because it's not like an obvious guy that you got to pick up. I think the wait-and-see approach is probably the best way here. All right, we're going to save the best for last and come back to that Hawks-Warriors game. We're going to finish or start rather with the Nets and Lakers. What a doozy, a slugfest between two power teams. Lakers <laughs> win 107-101. to 101. Uh, Thad Young has a great game, 19 points, 15 rebounds, two assists, a steal. I think he's one of the more underrated fantasy players in the league and also one of the more underrated players, period. Brooke Lopez getting things done, as he always does, 23 points, seven rebounds, four assists. Uh, Let me ask you about Bohan Bogdanovich, who has moved into the starting lineup because Joe Johnson is out of it. He saw 18 points, seven rebounds, three assists. And I've been quick to warn people about Bogdanovich only because this production that he's been putting up has come against bad teams. So since Joe Johnson left, he's played Phoenix, Utah, uh, and both L.A. teams and easily is, well, you know what, he didn't do so bad against the Clippers. But against a good, solid Utah team, he only put up eight points, three rebounds. So playing Phoenix, he saw 24 points. Seeing the Lakers, he saw 18 points. Now, are you... Are you going to jump on that train? Because he is seeing a lot of minutes, but are you convinced that he's a good addition? Basically, the way I've been telling people um, that have been asking about him is he's probably got the most upside of anybody that's left on your waiver wire if you're in a deep league. Because before 
they traded Joe Johnson away. I mean, he was a 16 to 18 minute a game, 20 minute a game kind of guy, you know, who was a dime a dozen on your bench. But now that Joe Johnson's gone, he's going to be seeing, you know, I don't know if he's going to be seeing 30 minutes a game, but 24 to 30 minutes somewhere in that range, which does make him somebody who, like I said, is one of the better guys that's probably on your waiver wire. Now, if you're expecting him to be your savior and to come in and, you know, save your season, that's not going to happen. But everybody, if you go and look at your rosters right now for season-long purposes, probably has a guy on their roster that Bojan would be a better player than. So if he's available on waiver wires, you can go and pick him up. If you're in a 12- or 15-team league, definitely. In a 10-team league, he's probably still borderline. You know, I'd put him right there with guys like, you know, Dion Waiters, who's been seeing minutes but does a lot of you know, not a lot of a lot of things that you like. Um, that would be somebody who's probably on the on the same level for me. So I don't see huge upside out of him. I don't think he's a guy that you got to blow your whole fat budget on if you know you play in a league that does that. But I do think that he's somebody that deserves to be rostered in in deeper leagues because he is going to see the minutes. And you know, as long as he's going to see the minutes, he'll give you something at least if you need it. You know, it might not be great numbers, but you know, probably better than some of the guys you have on your bench are giving you right now. Looking at the Lakers side of things, uh, one thing I did hit well on last night was D'Angelo Russell, who played 35 minutes, started at point guard, 39 points, six rebounds, three assists, a steal. Of course, he hurt you a little bit with the three turnovers, but really that's not bad. For 35 minutes, a rookie handling the ball as much as he did. Uh, One thing I said on the XM show on Tuesday was that if you have ever loved D'Angelo Russell at any point this season, then you should be playing him tonight in DFS. Of course, I meant last night and Wednesday because you don't get a better matchup than going up against Wayne Ellington, Donald Sloan, Shane Larkin, Bohan Bogdanovich, right? Yeah, and I think that that is... Something that is interesting for today, because if you look at what happened yesterday, which was the perfect storm of things coming together for him to have a 40-point game, um, today you have Kobe back in the mix, which not only is going to take away a few minutes from each of the guards, him and Clarkson, but it's also going to take away some shot attempts, because you know Kobe's going to get his shots up. So I don't think you're going to see another 21 shot attempts out of you know D'Angelo Russell today. And then the other thing that helped him yesterday was Lou Williams actually got hurt in this game and only played nine minutes. So you actually got an uptick in minutes from both Russell and Clarkson, who probably would have each seen maybe five or six minutes less if Lou Williams was going to get his normal, you know, 24, 26 minutes that he had been playing lately. So with Kobe back tonight, I think everybody's going to be running to Russell in DFS. And I think he might be one of those guys that, you know, makes for a good tournament fade tonight because I think the situation is completely different. And also, like you said, you couldn't really have asked for a better defensive matchup than he had last game going up against the, you know, Brooklyn Nets, who every guard has basically been lighting up over the last couple weeks. So, you know, I like to see this out of Russell. I like the fact that management told Byron Scott to play him more. Um, But I don't know if you're going to see another game this big out of him for the rest of the season. Wide's words there from Benny Ricciardi. I will say, though, the Lakers are playing the Nuggets, and the Nuggets are one of the worst defensive teams, and Emmanuel Moutier is one of the worst defenders in the league um, as well in terms of defending point guards. So I don't know. It'd be too good to be be true, Um, although I will say the Nuggets is a favorable matchup too. I think 
Yeah, I think I think you're completely right, though, in, in the breakdown you gave. Uh, the Nets is a better matchup for Russell than, than the Nuggets even would be. So perfect storm was a good way of phrasing that, Benny. Let's move on to the final game of the night, an overtime game between the Golden State Warriors and the Atlanta Hawks. Golden State pulls it out. Of course they do. 109 to 105. Now, I joke with some guys in the office here, Benny, about how I want the Warriors to break the Bulls' season record. I want them to win 73 games. But at the same time, every time I watch them, I want them to lose. I want it to be close, and I can't have it both ways. But do you want them to break the record, or do you think that 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 Bulls' 90s team should be enshrined forever? I mean, I'm a huge Michael Jordan fan. You know, I grew up, you know, I'm in my 30s right now. So I grew up watching Jordan in his prime, like when I first started loving basketball. Um, so that team is always going to have a, a special place in my in my heart. But um, I got to be honest right now, there's not a player in the league that I'd pay to watch more than Steph Curry when he goes out there. So if any team's going to break it, I'd rather it be a team with a guy who, you know, is probably the guy that I enjoy. My, I'm not going to say he's the the Michael Jordan of this era, but as far as the guy who I stop what I'm doing to make sure I watch that game or you know work my schedule around it to be available to watch him play, I think Steph Curry is probably that guy now more than even uh you know like a LeBron or you know I do like Westbrook and Durant as well. But yeah, when 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 the Warriors play OKC, that's pretty much like my Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, me too. I'm a, I'm a Thunder fan. So I um, the funny thing is when I was I actually didn't get to watch the game. I had to watch it back. The game on Saturday, of course. Um, when Curry hit that three, I just was happy. Like I just like it was yeah. awesome. If you're a fan of basketball, it was just really fun to enjoy. Uh, glad mm-hmm. you brought up Curry. In general, he is super fun to watch. Last night he didn't play, so we were deprived of our Curry. Uh, left ankle injury, of course, and so they held him out. He was close to playing, so I don't really think it's anything too concerning moving forward. Um, but obviously, you know, they need him on the court because Atlanta's pretty good, but they, you know, they're not as good of a team without Curry off the court. And so they take care of business. But what you saw is Draymond Green scores 15 points, 13 rebounds, nine assists, four steals, and a block. He's insane. He doesn't even need mm-hmm. to score points to still be a legitimate DFS consider- consideration every single night. Clay Thompson steps up in Curry's stead as well. 26 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists. Did you? So how did you play the situation last night? Because obviously with DraftKings you have lineup lock, but on other sites or you don't have lineup lock. You can fit in other players, but Curry's price tag is so high that essentially um, you're locking him in. If you decide to go with him, you're locking him in because his price is so high and no matter what point he's playing. Uh, but an interesting situation where we didn't really know if he was going to play until other games had started. So how did you approach last night? Did you just exclude Curry altogether? Did you fit him in in a couple lineups and just hope for the best? How did that situation play out for you? Because I know I was kind of churning over what I should do. Yeah, on on sites that I can't go back and late swap, I just had to stay away from them because there's just too much uncertainty to take that chance. You know, there are people who will tell you that, you know, you throw him in in like a cheap tournament because if he does play, you'll get him at 2% owned or something like that. But if you're playing in any tournaments for like, you know, significant amount of money, you want to try to win. And that's just too risky for me. On DraftKings, though, I did have a share or two of him on some of my tournament rosters. And what I wound up doing is what I always wind up doing whenever I hear that he's out. When he's out, um, you automatically put Draymond Green in because you know that he's going to get you know more of the usage. The ball's going to be in his hand more. You automatically put Clay Thompson in because you know that 
he's going to take a lot of those shots or he's going to be the guy running off the screen that they're trying to get open like they usually do with Steph. Um, so, you know, Clay always has a, a big scoring game whenever, uh, you know, Steph Curry's out. And then you look at the cheap option, which is Sean Livingston, who's the guy who usually picks up the minutes. So what I was able to do by taking Curry out of my lineup and putting in a very cheap Sean Livingston on DraftKings you know, was use that other money to upgrade to basically like punt options that I had at the other two positions. So I was able to upgrade, um, you know, to Draymond Green from like a $4,000 punt power forward that I had. And I was able to come up from Lou Williams, luckily, because he got hurt and didn't have a good game to Clay Thompson. So it actually worked out pretty well. So anytime Steph's out, I always look at Draymond, uh, Clay, and then you know, Sean Livingston as the as the punt option. And last night, all three of them paid off pretty well. So it was a decent night. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, great way to break that down for sure. Uh, Thompson attempted 27 shots last night, which tied his season high. So I, I, lo- I love that you bring up that um, while you should give Sean Livingston a thought because he's moving directly into Curry's minutes and his role on the team, you still have to kind of put the onus on the other top players like a green or a Thompson and say, you know what? That's actually where the more opportunities are going to go. It's not always a perfect swap position Mm -hmm. by position. And so good call there. Um, Good breakdown as well. So Josh, that does it for our box score recap. We're just going to jump into some breaking news here. Um, Obviously we didn't talk about the Hawks, but double overtime game or an overtime game. They're going to be a little bit inflated, although it's a pretty typical Hawks box score where they spread the ball around. So we'll go ahead and move on to some breaking news on this Wednesday morning. Um, Let's kick it off with Rudy Gay is listed as doubtful for Wednesday's matchup with the Grizzlies. So are you going to take the same philosophy that we just talked about with the Warriors and put a lot of the emphasis on Cousins and Rondo and then maybe less so on an Omri Caspi who will be directly filling in for Gay? Yeah, I mean, you know, for for Daly, if you if Caspi's cheap enough, you know, you still want to use him just like we still wanted to use a little bit of Livingston yesterday because he's cheap and he's you know, going to be seeing an extra 10 to 15 minutes. But, you know, you got to think about what a team's going to do. I mean, if the player that you're substituting is just as good as the player who you're missing, which rarely ever happens, then, yeah, you can say, all right, well, maybe his production will just go right to that guy. But most of the time what you see happen is, you know, the team's high-usage players, who in this case would be guys like Rondo and and DeMarcus Cousins are usually the guys who just get asked to do a little more. So they get a few more shot attempts. They get the ball in their hand a few more times. You know, the, those shots that Rudy Gate take pretty much get distributed out through, you know, one or two shots here or there for some of the other guys. And then, you know, the bulk of those extra shots tend to go to the star players that have high usage already. Yeah. Okay, so here's here's a similar question regarding the Pelicans. So pull up their depth chart. I think this one is far more puzzling just because they're so depleted. And, of course, I'm referring to Anthony Davis with his toe injury. He'll test out his sprained toe during warm-ups before making a final determination on his status for Wednesday's matchup against Houston. Let's just say Davis doesn't play or, you know, you can attack this however you want. Um, but where does where do these shot attempts that we keep talking about, where do these touches go on New Orleans' team if Davis is not in the lineup tonight against Houston? Yeah, now see, that's that's the other situation where the guy that they put in for him actually can be a 
you know, reasonable facsimile uh, of what Anthony Davis does for you. And not exactly the same kind of game, but, you know, Davis is a guy who takes 20, 25 shots when he's in there. When they put Ryan Anderson in there, they basically give him the same role that Anthony Davis had. You know, he's the guy that they're getting the ball to in, you know, on the wing or on the, you know, on the foul line, on the high post and, you know, kind of letting him do his thing and, and put some points up. So you'll still get an uptick from some of the guys. You know, they have a, uh, Pretty sure Bryce Deshaun Jones is out as well. So, you know, Eric Gordon, who just came back, will get a little bit of those shot attempts if Brow can't play. Um, you'll probably get a little bit more out of Drew Holiday as well. You know, all the guys who can – all the guys who are actually capable of picking up their scoring a little bit. You know, there are guys who score 12 or 15 a game because they're playing, the, you know, within the team concept but could score 20 or 25 like Drew or, or Eric Gordon. Um, so those are the guys that are actually capable of picking it up. You know, like – Amir Asik is not going to all of a sudden be a 30-point-a-game scorer just because Brow is out. You know, certain guys have that ability, certain guys don't. You know, Ryan Anderson is one of those guys who can put up points. So if Brow's out, he pretty much automatically is a guy that I would, you know, throw in if I had him on the bench in season long and a guy that I'll build a lot of daily fantasy lineups around if, uh, you know, Anthony Davis doesn't play. Yeah, I, I think that's a great breakdown as well. And so I'm glad that we covered a couple different bases on the different types of strategies of what you should use or what you should look at um, when big players are out. Essentially, uh, what we just said to sum it up is it depends on each team. It's different for each team. Um, I will say, if, if if Davis is out, man, there's, there's going to be some winning lineups that have Pelicans players in them, only because Houston's defense is so bad. Milwaukee Bucks, the Milwaukee Bucks just put up 128 points against them, and I think that even this New Orleans team, even if they're not at full strength, which they're not at full strength, period, and if they're without Davis, then essentially everybody's gone, that a Ryan Anderson, a Norris Cole, or not a Norris Cole, but more so a Drew Holiday, uh, Ryan Anderson might have massive nights, massive shot attempts, massive nights. All right, last mm-hmm. question here, last bit of news we're, we'll talk about. Um, it's a bit of a doozy, but we'll tackle it, no problem at all. So Tyron Liu came out today on this Wednesday and said that LeBron James, Kevin Love, Kyrie Irving, and J.R. Smith will have games off to rest over the final 23 games of the season. Now, from a fantasy perspective, we hate to see that. We don't like that from fantasy, but how are you kind of surveying the situation where some notable Cavs players will not be playing the full 23-game slate? Yeah, it's tough because, like we said, at this point in the season, you know, your trade deadline probably passed. There's not much you can do for season long. I mean, if you have Kyrie, if you have Kevin Love, if you have LeBron James, they're they're probably some of those guys who I call them lock and load guys where, you know, they're not even a decision. If they're playing, you're playing those guys. So you're going to get a couple bigger games out of a few of them when some of the other ones sit. Um, you know, so for season long, I think you just got to kind of deal with it. You know, the best thing you can do is, you know, be vigilant about checking to see if any news comes out before you know, the game starts. And if you find out that it is and you have a viable option on your bench that you can, you know, change into, I think that's probably the way to handle it. For DFS, I like the fact that all of them aren't going to be playing together because anytime one of those guys is out, you know, it's the same situation. They're going to put somebody else in, but you're going to see the production go to the high usage guys. So with those three being the three high usage guys on the team, you know, you take a 20 or 25% usage rate out on any one of those guys, 
you know, the other two guys are going to benefit the most from it. So for DFS, that's good because you'll see some upside games out of those guys when one of them's out of the lineup. Um, but for season long, it's tough because, you know, those are probably some of the guys that you picked and have been relying on all year, pick them high in the draft. And, you know, you're going to be missing two or three games of production out of them that, you know, may wind up being a difference between you making your playoffs or getting a buy or getting a better matchup or, you know, even in the playoffs for you for fantasy with them coming up, if you play, you know, the next couple of weeks is when the fantasy playoffs start. You know, if you have one of those guys, you might wind up losing a fantasy game that you, you know, because of the situation. So it's tough, but there's not much you can do about it at this point. Yep, fair enough. I will say Cleveland.com is reporting that now. Um, essentially that James and the other players will sit down with Tyron Lou and actually map out which games they'll sit out in March and April, which which is probably a good plan. The only thing that I'm concerned about or curious about is if they're going to take a Spursian approach and do it where all of their top players sit during the same game or whether they parse it out like you said. And if they parse it out, then Benny just gave you a great strategy, and we just talked about that strategy for the last about 20 minutes here. So that's it. That's all we got for you, Benny. What a pleasure it was to host with you. Hopefully we can do it down the road. This is a monumental day for myself. Um, so I'm feeling pretty I'm feeling pretty good about it. Yeah, not too bad. It was uh, this was pretty fun and I actually still have 11 minutes before I have to go pick my kids up from school. So it worked out perfect. All right, so I'll, I'll, I'll stop recording, and then we'll, uh, we'll just talk for five minutes. So uh, sounds good. Uh, <laughs> Benny, thanks so much for joining us. If you want to find either of us on Twitter, feel free to check out the show notes. Um, you can find me at TrainerDJ, and you can find Benny at BennyR11. Right, Benny? Yep. Sounds good. Sounds good. If you want 10 free days of access to the RotoWire website, last thing we'll finish up on, go to rotowire.com forward slash pod, and we will be letting you know when James will play, when he won't play, along with the rest of those Cavaliers. Thanks so much for joining us. This has been the RotoWire Fantasy Basketball Podcast. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.